the second Sunday of the Holy 40-day fast this year, the Sunday which the Church has dedicated to St. Gregory Palamas. Such was the impact of the life of St. Gregory Palamas that he was canonized as a saint in 1368, only nine short years after his death in 1359, at the age of 63. The confrontation, and indeed the battle, between the doctrinal belief shaped over the centuries by the Greek East and the doctrinal attitudes of the Latin West go very far back in the history of the Church. This ongoing battle over truth is the context in which St. Gregory Palamas lived and in which he bore witness to the faith that was in him. Clearly, the teachings of Augustine of Hippo, who died in 430, contradict not only the spirit of the orthodoxy declared by the Eastern Mediterranean fathers, but they veer away from the actual doctrinal truth of the Church almost a thousand years before St. Gregory Palamas. As the theological moderate Archbishop Vasily Krivoshein writes somewhere, the theology of Augustine is deviate from that of the Church. Last Sunday, we celebrated the triumph of orthodoxy, all summed up in the victory of the veneration of icons after a long period of government-imposed heresy. Today we continue our preoccupation with truth, with the Church's actual teaching, which is what the term dogma means, teaching. And today the battlefield remains between East and West. St. Gregory Palamas came from a politically active and highly placed family. He enjoyed the best education available in the 14th century and was noted for his many gifts. He was scheduled to become a high-ranking functionary in the imperial court and government. His heart, however, was not in having a successful and highly paid career and the honors that went with that in the world of his day. His heart was in putting orthodoxy into practice in the form of monasticism, a resolute, well-determined round of prayer, work, and study in which theory and practice were experienced in a unified, spiritually exhilarating way in a life where context and content are united.
And so he found himself on Mount Athos. Already in that time, the heart and center of Orthodox monasticism. Here he mastered the skills and high arts of the kind of prayer that unifies the separate parts of the inner person. The rational mind, the mind of the heart, or the noose, and the heart itself, seen as the central element in the human person. The feelings and the emotions that we all have. And at the heart of all this was the use of that most utilitarian prayer of all, the Jesus prayer, as the vehicle of opening oneself up to the grace showered down by the Holy Spirit. Grace meaning the presence of the living God. At one point, St. Gregory will be driven off Mount Athos by Islamist pirates' raids, and he will later, having returned, take up the sword of truth when Varlam of Calabria in Italy comes to Constantinople and subjects the Orthodox monks and their practices to a blistering, scorching condemnation basing his searing rebuke on the scholastic theology of the Latin West, which is based on rational philosophical rules and regulations, not on experience, and which reflects very well the state of mind of the Latin West, whose God is required to conform to the rules of Aristotelian logic. St. Gregory's brilliant, comprehensive, and utterly convincing defense of orthodox monastic practices and prayers was simultaneously a defense of orthodox dogmatic theology as a whole, and thus, in his own experiences of sparring with Varlam of Calabria, he becomes the personal witness to the entire achievement of the fathers of the church. He suffered greatly for the faith, yes, even in Greek-speaking Constantinople, and even at its Greek-speaking leaders, including its imperial rulers. He ended up spending time in prison, as politicians in Constantinople attempted to accommodate accommodate the heretical dogmas of the Latin West for the sake of military aid. In the end, St. Gregory Palamas will triumph with the entire and wonderful support of the holy mountain, Athos. But his triumph is in fact the triumph of an authentic orthodoxy, fully Catholic, that is comprehensive in its scope and depth. His triumph just happens to be nothing less than the assertion of universal truth, No wonder, then, that he was so highly prized 
so well admired, so completely supported by not only the monastic community and not only by the Athenites, but also by all subsequent Orthodox theologians worthy of the name. And no wonder that the second Sunday in the Holy 40-Day Fast, the Sunday after the triumph of Orthodoxy itself, is dedicated to Him uniquely. Amen.